0: Is the
1: Under Center podcast. Hello and welcome to the Undercenter Podcast. I'm your host, darimar and I'm joined by two of the founding members of the latest uh, cryptocurrency coin to hit the market. It's called Rotcoiner. Jake Woolhead and Phil Malloy. Lads, uh you there's Shiba Inu, there's Dogecoin, and now there's Rotcoiner. Oh, yeah, absolutely.
2: Me me and Fionn worked, like, weeks trying to get this uh, algorithm down so we can make uh, a lot of money. No, I mean mine a lot of coin, yeah.
1: (laughs) I'm a little upset that you didn't ask me to get into the ground level now here, but I guess I'll let it go for this time. I'll just take my cut out of, you know, podcast proceeds.
0: Yeah, it can't be a pyramid scheme if you let everyone in at the start. Especially if Uh... you're at the top.
1: (laughs) We have a good show in store for you today guys because we are talking the NFC East and it is not the football team and it is not the Giants. We are talking the Dallas Cowboys and to help us talk some Cowboys today is Kyle Uelmans who is from
3: the Talking Cowboys show. How are you Kyle? Doing well, guys, and joined or pleasure to be joined by you guys and, and talk a little Cowboys this offseason, especially since I've been informed that you guys are Washington fans and New York fans. And so I, I just, I'm, I'm glad to be able to share a little bit of uh, America's team with you guys. Oh, just well,
0: that's, all. All. Just that's what we're doing, Kyle. Okay. We're I got don't think anyone in way. America yeah. uses that except, no, the it's Texas
3: only election. us. It really <laughs> is.
1: Cowboys.
2: <It really laughs> <is. It really laughs>
1: Before we do get into some Cowboys talk, if you haven't already, uh, could you please like this video and subscribe to the Undercenter podcast? Uh, we have recently moved to our own YouTube and audio channel, so all, as many subscribers as we can get be really appreciated. Uh, while you're there, uh, make sure you follow us on our sh- social pages, that's uh, facebook.com forward slash UndercenterPod. It's the same for Twitter and Instagram at on their center pod that's where you'll find us and we'll keep you up to date when we release the latest shows but let's get into some Dallas Cowboys talk and Kyle, let's start with the uh, scheduled release last week. You're going to be starting with the Super Bowl champs, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, on the opening night of the season, uh, which is the start of two away games in a row to start uh, the regular season before coming home to face the Eagles in your first divisional game of the year. Some Also some highlights of the schedule release. You've got your buy in week seven. The traditional Thanksgiving game this year is going to be at home to the Las Vegas Raiders. And then at the end of the regular season, which is very interesting, four of the last five games will be divisional games. Uh, what do you think of the Cowboys schedule? Well,
3: I think I like it overall uh, because first off, the the bye week is always one of those things you look at initially. is because you want to know where the bye week is and you want to know where your team can get healthy it's a little early this year, and I feel like that's probably the biggest downside to this is because you you just mentioned the divisional games, the four out of the five at the end of the year, and you kind of pair that with an early bye week. It's going to make things tough. That's going to be a gauntlet toward the end of the season because uh, just like you guys know of, of being fans of the NFC East, anything can happen and everybody has a target on their back. So that's going to be a, a very crucial part of the year. That's ultimately going to decide, I think, who wins this division down that stretch of those four of the last five games being against divisional opponents and and seeing that afterwards, as far as the first couple weeks, I'm okay with not opening up until the the Monday night game against the Eagles. Cause one, you kind of get to go on the road, find your footing a little bit against the best competition. I mean, Tampa Bay, Kansas city, those are, those are the top two. And you get Tampa Bay week one, and then you get Kansas city a little bit later on in the schedule. I, I feel like, you know, where your team's going to be heading into those crucial matchups later on i'm not saying they're going to be wins for the cowboys early on but i'm just saying i i think you'll know pretty good of where your team is where you're going to end up if you're finishing up week one and then heading into the next couple of weeks of the schedule
0: carl you mentioned as well the early bye week do you think the extra game this season is going to add an even extra wrinkle to that and maybe play into some teams of when the bye week is is going to play a bigger impact this season than we've seen in last season? Or do you think maybe the extra game is a little bit overhyped on the injury side? What What do you make
3: of that? I don't know about injuries specifically. Usually, if you're going to play NFL football, injuries can happen week one. They can happen in mm-hmm. week 17. It's going to happen no matter what. However, it, having 17 games, it will take a toll on the the fatigue on the more unconditioned teams of course this offseason being half virtual half in person playing a factor in how these teams are going to be conditioned the teams that practice at their facilities and have more hands-on availability with their coaching staff and their their players I think are going to have the bigger advantage and that's going to play a factor deep into the year so I wouldn't necessarily say that game is overhyped, but it is something to kind of keep an eye on whenever you do week, week 15, 16, 17, and then finally into that 18th game. And then if you have an early buy, this is the worst year to have an early buy. And I think that's where the Cowboys are looking at it of like, man, I wish that that bye week would have come in early November or even toward Halloween. Of course, the Halloween game on the road in Minnesota is going to be a fun one. But I think they would have rather have had a bye week in week 8, 9, or 10 than having it early on in, in week 7, especially in a year where there's going to be a lot of feeling out of the process of getting through a full 17-game schedule.
2: Yeah. I- <clears throat> Sorry, I completely agree with you. That's going to be a uh, bit crazy. But I'm thinking you mentioned the the kind of the gauntlet at the end for it, the, the, basically the NFC East running mm-hmm. like uh, the last four or the five, five games for you guys. It's going to be a bit tough. This is why I love the NFC East. It kind of always comes down to like the last couple of weeks. I don't know when uh, the football team's bye week is. I think the Giants is week 10. So we got a little mm-hmm. bit lucky on that regard. And then mm-hmm. we kind of come into that end where I think Of all the divisions, it's the most fun to watch in that because we all can kind of come down to the end, see who gets that win. It unfortunately came down to uh, the football team of the Eagles last year, but Mm -hmm. um, uh, we'll uh, have to let that one go by because I'm still a little (laughs) bit salty about that one.
3: (laughs) Yeah, it definitely is. And I jokingly tweeted this out whenever the schedule was released. I was like, well, yes, we're going to figure out. Who wins the division week 18 against the Philadelphia Eagles in January of 2022? Like that's when we will know who wins this division because that's how it always ends up coming down to it. And Mm -hmm. I'm not necessarily saying it'll be the Cowboys and the Eagles specifically fighting for that position. A lot of people were like, ah, the Eagles will be packing their bags. They'll be making tea times that by that point. I don't think that's necessarily the case. I think that game's still going to mean something, especially when they're as evenly matched. I mean, the Cowboys should see an uptick with with Dak Prescott. They should see a bit of a turnaround with their offensive line getting healthy. Washington's a team that at least last year you said, oh, man, if they would have had a quarterback, they would have been something more dangerous. Well, now they've got at least half of a quarterback with Ryan (laughs) Fitzpatrick. So uh, there's at least a little bit there. I think the Giants are on the uptick. I think – Washington still got the one of the better defenses in the NFL, it'll be evenly matched all the way down to the final weeks of the the regular season, and just how it always is whenever the, the NFC East comes to a close. I'll tell you my
2: prediction here: uh, the Giants, the Cowboys are going to be tied first. It's going to come down to the Eagles, and wow. uh, they're going to trot Jalen Hurts down there, and then they're halfway going to like they'll be kind of winning, and they'll halfway through the game pull out Jalen Hurts and put whoever they can trot out off the uh, off the street, just like what happened last year. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds.
3: Salty. That sounds just like somebody who's already been hurt before. That sounds like somebody who's who, who still, still got a little bit of that heartache from a year ago. I don't blame you. If I, I, If it, if it would have been roles reversed and the Cowboys would have been in that situation, one, I would have been having to sit up here in studio all day until the Sunday night game to watch the Cowboys playoff chances, fly off into the wind along with the Eagles. So I would have had the same exact thought process you did. But man, yeah, that's that's kind of how I feel like things are going to go whenever this year comes around. And that's one beauty of the schedule change now this year as well.
1: We won't have to wait till Sunday night for to find out who's winning what division, because now we have the doubleheader on the Saturday to compensate for the loss of the, the Sunday night football, which I'm sure will keep everybody uh, happy. Well, not everyone, but at least the division winners and, you know, neutrals like myself for the time being. Um, but. Uh, you mentioned uh, Dak there a little bit. Uh, one of, obviously, the the main talking points of last season was the awful injury, too, to Dak Prescott. Uh, how How is Dak doing
3: in his rehab, and um, is he looking like he'll be ready for week one? It looks like all systems go from here at the moment. I mean, we'll see him kind of in spurts out there, uh, working on the ankle, kind of running back and forth. I really do like the the progress that he's made. Even a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at him. I was like, man, that, that doesn't necessarily look like it's natural. It doesn't look like he's back to 100%. Sure, there's a long way to go, but I was like, I, I, that, that's not necessarily encouraging. A couple weeks after that, completely flip flopped. It, it looked like he had turned a corner a little bit and, and was running much better, was very ad, er, athletic, and was able to kind of do a couple different things with the football in hand. He was throwing on that ankle. And so, I think whenever the the week 1 comes around for the for the Cowboys there's going to be Dak Prescott behind center which is a huge plus for this team. There's going to be a little rust factor. I mean this is a guy who didn't miss a game in his entire career leading into last year until that pesky team from the Meadowlands decided to knock him out uh with an ankle injury in the fourth quarter. Yeah, looking up there I saw that. Uh <laughs> Yeah, I I just don't necessarily think it's going to be the the same exact Dak that we saw that was putting up unworldly numbers in the first five games of the year last year. It's going to take a bit of a learning curve, I think, but he's going to, in terms of health, he's going to be good to go. He's just got to get that timing back and get that confidence in that ankle before he can return back to 100% or even better than what he was previously. Something that will help out any quarterback
0: when they're struggling, whether it's a rookie or someone returning from injury, is leaning on the run game a little bit. And last season, I think Ezekiel Elliott didn't live up to maybe what you guys are hoping. I don't know if he had an injury. Certainly, you mentioned the offensive line wasn't playing to the standard that you guys would have hoped, and that's been improved on this season. Do you expect a big bounce back from Zeke, or is that something you're slightly worried about? I'm going to keep your eye on as the season
3: progresses. I'll definitely keep my eye on it uh because especially with zeke this is a, a pretty important year i mean you're mm-hmm. paid to be the top running back in the nfl and last year he didn't even eclipse a thousand yards and so there's a a high standard of excellence that zeke needs to to reattain he's done it before it's not like Mm -hmm. he's not good enough to get there he's got to find a way to do that no matter what the situation looks like in front of him in the offensive line like you said the offensive line should be better you should get tyron smith back i think the cowboys are very confident in what his his health is moving forward same thing with lyle collins who was not available at all last year if they're both back And they're both healthy and available for the majority of the games. I think you'll see the Zeke of old. He's been working uh, day in, day out with some extra trainers. He's been here at the star. He's been at the facility working out. So uh, at least from what I've seen and what everybody has seen on social media, he's looking pretty good. I mean, this isn't going to be Cabo Ezekiel Elliott where there's a little extra weight on them. He looks Mm -hmm. slim. Uh, He looks quick. I think he's got a chip on his shoulder after last year because all of a sudden there were doubters uh, to his game because of the big contract, because of the lack of production a year ago without an offensive line. I think he wants to prove people wrong. So even if the offensive line isn't necessarily healthy, I expect him to at least have a better year than he did last year. But if they're healthy, watch out. He may be back in the Pro Bowl.
2: Kyle, just to add, flip on to the other side of the ball there uh we obviously just had the draft go by how excited or ecstatic were you guys to have Micah Micah Parsons drop to you at 12?
4: You know
3: it's interesting it's split between Cowboys Nation I think the split probably comes uh, as a part of our fault here on the media side of things because we really liked a lot of the offensive prospects that were available including Rashawn Slater who was there at 12 as well uh at least in terms of the defensive side of the football which is obviously going to be the the area of emphasis for this team after what the year was in 2020 they it really it really came down to JC Horn or Patrick Sertan and, and those were the two two names that you really felt comfortable taking at at pick number 10 and Micah Parsons was at the bottom of the list. There were four names, and we put this out uh, heading into the draft, four names. J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, Rashawn Slater, and then the fourth name on that list was Micah Parsons. Not necessarily because of the talent. I think he's a top-five talent in this draft class in, in terms of on-field alone, but there were some extra questions about him in terms of his maturity, in terms of his commitment, uh, his potential of, of moving to a city like Dallas and being able to stay productive and stay focused. So those – your question marks pushed them behind those other prospects so whenever both the corners were gone and it came down to a defensive player in Parsons or an offensive tackle slash guard like Rashawn Slater the choice was made by the Cowboys to pick the defensive guy I don't fault them for that and Micah Parsons is a hell of a player but there were a lot of people around here that were pretty angry with the selection uh, because of the question marks that were there and because of the potential now I think they felt better after the Cowboys traded with the Eagles to go from 10 to 12, uh, and they picked up the 84th overall pick. But there was a, a little bit of hesitation from Cowboys Nation to really look at Micah Parsons the same way, especially when they've been burned by linebackers in the past. You think about a first-round pick in 2018 with Leighton Vanderesh, Esch, who hasn't necessarily been healthy since his rookie year, who's had some inavailability uh, problems. And then there's Jalen Smith, who was taken in the second round a couple of years prior, who showed out in 2018, but never has gotten back up to that point ever since he signed his long term contract. So there's a lot of question marks around the linebackers anyways. And with the the, the high, at least the high draft capital that they've used on that position in the past, going right back to it, especially with a guy who had question marks, I think this fan base was burned from the last time and they didn't want to get burned again. So mixed feelings about Micah Parsons, but overall, he's a talented player. He may be the most talented player or talented player on this defense outside of DeMarcus Lawrence. So there were people excited, but there were a lot of people that weren't. Uh, that trade was like a,
2: sorry, if on, that trade was like a, the enemy of my friend is my friend. Um, <laughs> this is like, I was kind of happy with it though, with the trade back, get that first round from the Bears. So I was okay <laughs> with the trade in the end.
3: Yeah. See, that was interesting because, You don't think the Cowboys and the Eagles trading, especially for a wide receiver as talented as the Heisman Trophy winner, Devontae Smith, would ever happen. But it was because he was going to end up in the division anyways. If if the Eagles didn't take him at 10, the Giants were going to take him at 11, and then the Cowboys would have been there at 12. So either way, he would have been in the NFC East, but that way the Cowboys – could still get the guy they were probably going to pick at 10 and then pick up an extra top 100 player i think it was pretty easy from that point to to make the decision and to to work on it that way you mentioned a little bit there you guys had a lot of draft picks this year
0: uh and didn't i kind of maybe half expected to get a kind of bundle deal and maybe pick some of those lower picks together and kind of move up maybe in the second round or the third round to try and get a couple of the maybe top talent, like you said, maybe a top 100 guy, but you kind of stuck where you were and and chose the whole way down. What's your really quick, just overall summing of the draft, and have you guys addressed everything you hoped they would, the majority of it, or is there question marks on a lot of these picks? Yeah,
3: I I was right there with you. I thought they were going to bundle picks together as well. I thought we were going to see a couple trade-ups. They did it even last year to go get Tyler Biotish, another trade that they made with Philadelphia. They wanted to go get their center, And they went up and did that. So I expected that, especially with 11 picks this year, but they made all 11 picks and it was kind of interesting, but with the current contract situations and of course, allocating so much money to Dak Prescott and that mega deal that was signed earlier this offseason, this front office is, is very, very focused on finding cheaper contracts and working their, their talent from a cheaper, younger level. And I think that's why they ultimately made, all 11 of those those selections, and not to say all 11 are going to make the team. If anything, if we're being realistic, six or seven guys are going to make the team, and the other draft picks will fall off and either be practice squad or picked up elsewhere on waivers. So there's, there's some question marks around what they actually filled. We got to see rookie minicamp a couple days ago just outside from where I'm sitting right now, and, and it looked like really the needs that you really wanted, linebacker defensive line, interior defensive line, uh, those needs were met in terms of offensive line depth. I think there's still a huge question mark in terms of safety. I think there's a huge question mark. You added another corner, actually a couple extra corners, in Nishan Wright out of Oregon State, and then second round pick Kelvin Joseph out of Kentucky, who I think you feel really good about fitting into a new defensive coordinator, Dan Quinn's system. So, there's there there were needs that were met, but there are definitely some that were left on the table, and we're going to have to see how they elect to fill those, especially when they're trying to keep things relatively on the cheap side.
1: Yeah, and you have uh, hired a new defensive coordinator in Dan Quinn, of course, a former Super Bowl winning defensive coordinator with mm-hmm. the Seahawks, and you know that sort of makes sense with the Micah Parsons pick. You know, Micah Parsons can be maybe his Bobby Wagner going forward if uh, if all things going well, but it's ca- sort of like a whole new defense for the Cowboys anyway, because like I said, there were play a lot of players that have left in the off season. You've got the likes of um, uh, Alden Smith, Xavier Woods and uh, Chidobe Um, But he's picked up a few familiar names from his time in, in the Falcons as well, with the likes of Keanu Neal and uh, uh Casey. So, Do you think those sort of players coming in, those experienced players used to the Dan Quinn system will help sort of the new, uh, the current players and maybe the new draftees as well to
3: sort of get uh, accustomed to uh, the new scheme? I think it will. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot uh, more certain decision-making from a lot of the defensive players on that side because of those guys that they brought in. Keanu Neal was brought in as uh, a player who was a first-round player who just never really lived up to the expectation, mostly due to injuries. He's going to be that linebacker safety hybrid. So he's going to play a little bit of both sides and and he'll probably play a lot of strong safety and rotation with Donovan Wilson, but he'll also pro- probably play a little bit of weak side linebacker and cover some tight ends and things of the sort, like he did in Atlanta. And then with Demonte Kazee, he's going to be that strong safety. He's going to have a, a, a huge presence there with maybe a couple of the other guys that are learning the system, but Last year, this defense, especially with a virtual offseason, a fully virtual offseason, looked very slow to decision-making. They didn't look confident in their their play underneath Mike Nolan and his new system. And I think this year Mike McCarthy said, okay, we're bringing in a new defensive coordinator, one we feel more confident about and who has had success at the NFL level as a defensive coordinator. And then we're also going to bring in guys that can teach their peers how to fit the system the right way. And I think that's what Neil and Kazee ultimately bring to the table. A lot of what they're going to do isn't going to be shown on the stat book. It isn't going to be shown on film. It's going to be in practice. It's going to be on the sideline. It's going to be those teaching moments because both of them as veterans who have played for Dan Quinn, who understand that system in and out since they entered the league, I think that's going to be invaluable for this defense, especially for guys like Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith, who need to see an upgrade for Micah Parsons, who's going to come in and hopefully, like you say, play that utility linebacker role, who's going to be a pass rusher, also a run stuffer and things of the sort. And, and then, of course, for the secondary as well, you got to want you really want Donovan Wilson to take that next step and continue on what was a strong 2020 campaign. And I think Dan Quinn's the right guy to, to lead all of that and kind of finally put those puzzle pieces together.
2: Kyle, I just have one quick question. I know we're coming to the end of the, the podcast here, but uh, on your totally unbiased opinion, who is winning the NFC East this year?
3: Oh, it's the Dallas. No, I'm just kidding. Uh... <laughs> You know, it's it's tough. I think the Cowboys should be favored in this division. And the reason why is because you, you look at the four teams and you you pick the best quarterback. And the best quarterback right now is Dak Prescott. And, and Ryan Fitzpatrick going to Washington intrigues me because if you get the best part of Ryan Fitzpatrick, Washington's going to be really good. And I think with that defense and that front seven, they're going to cause a lot of issues, much like they did a year ago. But if you get the 30-touchdown, Rather than the 30 interception Ryan Fitzpatrick, then you're going to feel good. If you get the 30 interception Ryan Fitzpatrick, I'm not as confident. So I, I want to see what Ryan Fitzpatrick does first before I really put all of my my chips into the, the, into the middle for Washington. I think Dak Prescott's going to come back. He's going to be at least close to what he was prior to the injury. I don't think there's going to be any sort of drop off. He may not be be record setting he may not be the best quarterback that the Cowboys have had in quite some time but he'll he'll come back and be ready to go and they're not going to throw him back out there especially with that contract if they're not comfortable with him getting back out on that ankle and and I really do think this defense will be better so if, if Dak Prescott's back that's a top five offense in the NFL if that defense is anywhere above 20th in the league in terms of total defense, and they're able to force a couple of turnovers, which I know Dan Quinn is trying to do. I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with. I'm not going to say Super Bowl champs or get up in a, in a conference championship conversation, but I think certainly winning the NFC will, will definitely be within grasp for this Cowboys team. Well, I'm sorry. As a Washington fan, I have to dispute
0: uh <laughs> I don't know if he's got the best quarterback in the division. He certainly have the most expensive quarterback in the division. I'll give you that much. Personally, you know, we have to assume we're getting Fitz Magic, not Fitz Tragic, as Jake <laughs> yeah. likes to call him. Fjord, so, uh, like... yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to dispute Fjord, you on that one. Best how long, quarterback.
2: How long has Ryan Fitzpatrick been in the league, and how many teams has he been on? Well, that kind of we'll just it shows it like you.
0: If he puts a touchdown on the board for every year he's played in the NFL, I'll be pretty happy with that. Season. Yeah, that would, that would help out, <laughs> right? <really. laughs> The uh, problem is, is he's gonna Chris have the same he's a amount of <laughs> That's that. that could be he might rival Winston for the 30 for 30. <laughs> mm.
1: Uh but before we let you go, Kyle, just uh, looking at a few other areas that the team could improve before the start of the season because I was listening um to you talk on your radio show earlier this week about it, and it was um the backup quarterback position, and um, probably getting some experience in there behind uh Dak Prescott. Uh obviously Andy Dalton was there last year and he um, did as best a job as he could to sort of, you know, keep go, keep the ship uh, going after the, the Prescott injury, but there is no sort of uh, experienced quarterback uh, on the depth chart at the moment. So would there be any sort of names floating around that you think the Cowboys should be keeping an eye on?
4: Yeah,
3: I think that ship might, might've sailed uh, at this point. I know last year following the draft, it was, it was pretty quick that they signed Andy Dalton because they knew that was a void that needed to be filled and little did they didn't know how big of a void that was going to fill whenever Dak went out for the first time in his career. I think at least from what we've seen, they've brought in a couple of quarterbacks, JT Barrett, most notably the, the former Ohio state quarterback was up at the star and he was thrown at some of the rookies during the mini camp process. And, uh, really none of the quarterbacks that came and showed out were necessarily uh, anything that was better than what you've seen. You've got four quarterbacks right now under contract with Dak, Cooper Rush, uh, Ben DiNucci, who was a seventh round pick last year, and then uh, Garrett Gilbert, who came in and started a game against Pittsburgh this past year as well. So I think they feel more comfortable with those three guys backing up Dak Prescott rather than going out and finding someone, especially – like you said, whenever there's really nobody out there, I mean, the, the quarterbacks that you would have at least entertained the option for maybe like a Tyrod Taylor or a Blake Bortles or a Brian Hoyer, guys, like you said, who have that experience and, and are willing to come in as a backup, they're all off the market and there's not really a ton of uh, options out there for the quarterbacks uh, to bring in. So I think they're probably going to ride with whoever they've got here. Uh, and, and then maybe address that in the future, and we'll see how that turns out. And hopefully, Dak's able to stay healthy.
1: Yeah, and just uh, looking as well at the sort of center position, too, because uh, on the depth chart at the moment, there's only one, and that's uh, Tyler Yadish. Uh, Bied- I hope I pronounced that right. Yeah, yeah, the fourth round pick from last year. Now, uh, you were mentioning as well that uh, your seventh round pick from this year, uh, Matt Farnock, was taking mm. some snaps at
3: center as well. So he could be possibly looking at, at a backup. Yeah, uh, I think overall, I think Farniak, uh is going to be that backup center. He played all three positions during his time in college, uh, played a tackle, played a card, and played played center as well. And as a late-round pick, you got to be able to do multiple things, and he does those things quite well. Uh, Tyler Biotis is your starter. He was going to be your starter no matter if you brought back Joe Looney or not. I think potentially if you wanted to move Connor Williams to center, you could. Uh, I I think right now he's pretty much uh, locked in at that left guard spot. But you're right, there's not a ton of depth there. And I think that was one of the biggest questions with me after the draft was over is what are we doing with the offensive line? We saw the revolving door that was the offensive line last year. Are we really able to do that again uh, this season? So I I think you're going to see Biotis as the number one guy. Farniok might see some snaps there. But I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a carousel of guys moving in there during training camp, trying to figure out who exactly is going to create that depth at the center position and allow the Cowboys to be successful.
1: Excellent. And before we let you go, Kyle, uh, where can people uh, listen to the show or uh, find you on Twitter? Yeah,
3: you can find me on Twitter at Kyle underscore Yeomans. It's actually the the way that I set up my name right there. So you can go follow me on there. We're live every week here from the star and Frisco on talking Cowboys during draft season. I'm also the host of the draft show. Uh, and then we've also got. Tons of content throughout, like the Blitz, which is a television show on our website, uh, and then the pre- and post-game shows as well. So we're all over the place. Just go to DallasCowboys.com, and you're going to find plenty of content. If you're looking for Cowboys information, it is all right there, and you can find me on there as well.
1: Excellent stuff. Listen, uh, Kyle, we really appreciate your time today. Um, We hope uh, you enjoy the rest of the offseason. And we also hope that uh, if we don't get to speak to you before the season starts, maybe at some point again uh, during the middle of the year. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime, you guys. Thanks for doing what you do. And a big thank you to Kyle for coming on to the show once again. We look forward to speaking to him at some point in the near future. But let's move on to our second team of today, and that is the LA Chargers. And joining us to speak about the Chargers in their off season is David Drogemeyer from the Locked On Chargers podcast. David, how are you?
4: I'm doing phenomenal guys. I appreciate the invite. Um, I mean, it's always great whenever you get to connect with people from all over the world that love to talk about football. I mean, I think that's really the best part of this is we all love the same sport, but this unites us uh, across thousands and thousands of miles. So it's always an honor and uh, especially to talk about chargers football. I love it, man. (laughs)
1: excellent stuff we're looking forward to it but just before we do guys if you haven't already can you please like this video and subscribe to the under center podcast uh, on youtube because that is where you will find our podcast each and every time we upload but two shows a week we've recently moved over of course from the old uh, dynamo podcast network so make sure you are subscribed to our new channel to be kept up to date with the latest shows it's the exact same wherever you get your audio podcast as well just search under center podcast you'll find us there Hit subscribe and you'll be notified whenever we upload Air new show. While you're at it, go to our Facebook, facebook.com forward slash pod. Twitter and Instagram is the exact same as well, uh, at undercenterpod. So go there and give us a follow and then you, we'll keep you up to date on that too whenever we upload a show. But we're here to talk about the Chargers, so let's start with that. And actually, let's start with the scheduled release um, in this year. It's the second year now in SoFi Stadium. It's going to be the first year now with fans, which I'm sure is going to be fun. Finally. Yeah, three primetime games as well to celebrate it this year. Uh, you got your week seven bye as well which you mean the team is going to be playing 11 games in a row, uh, ending with two divisional games against the Broncos and the Raiders. So what do you make of the scheduled release?
4: Yeah, I mean, I think it's the first time you get to kind of feel like it's the new year, right? I mean, the draft is done. You, you you finally know, you already knew who your opponents were. I mean, that's already predetermined. But now you know where you're going to go and how many prime times you, games you get. Like you mentioned, we have three Um, I mean, I think it's just exciting. I mean, looking at the schedule, I think uh, in the first five or six games, you go up against Baltimore, KC, the Browns. That's a really tough stretch for the Chargers. I mean, for any team, I mean, those those teams are all above 500 last year, made playoff appearances. I mean, that's going to be a tough stretch. I think if the Chargers are able to get through that, you know, even at an even record, I think you have to feel really good about where they're at. Um, and, and what they can do going forward. I mean, I think looking at this, it's not a particularly difficult schedule, at, at least in my opinion. I mean, if you get through that first stretch, um, then it gets a little bit easier towards the middle. But then the end, there's four division games in the last, like, six weeks. And that's – I mean, right – that's when crunch time happens. That's when those division games they – they're always important, but that's when they matter the most. Because if the Chargers are where they want to be at that point in time – It's about winning those division games. The clearest path to the playoffs is winning your division games and getting that division title. Obviously, the Chiefs are still in this division. They're still the cream of the crop, unfortunately. But I think the Chargers are definitely on their way.
0: Dave, you spoke about the the tough games at the start of the season and kind of how do you think the schedule is going to pan out. I want to put you on the spot here. Call your luck. Who are you guaranteeing me that you're going to beat this season? 100%. No questions
4: asked. Sounds good. So there's two potential opponents on the on the on this schedule here that I think are guaranteed locks, and it's for two different reasons. One, it's the Eagles. Uh, the Eagles with Jalen Hurts uh, just a, a, it, well, yeah, they don't have a lot on the defensive <laughs> side. I mean, they added Devonta Smith in uh, in in the draft, which gives them another weapon. But Jalen Hurts, it's it's he's very inexperienced. He's a running quarterback. He needs to work on his throwing mechanics. One of the things that I've noticed when I did draft prep on him last year when he was going into the draft is he holds onto the ball too long. And when he does, he gets sacked. And his first instinct is always to run, but he, <laughs> he runs too soon. He, he doesn't allow his passing plays to develop and then he runs and then he, he takes him out of a potentially more rewarding play that I think is going to take some more time for him to, you know, get that fixed uh, especially with a new, new coach over there in, in, um, in Philadelphia, I just think there's too much going uh, going on against them for them to have be, really to be able to compete with the chargers. I think the chargers with the new coach with their defense, the, them getting some guys back from injury, and how strong their offense is. I just don't think that that's a good matchup for the Eagles. And the second one, I'll give you a bonus one. It's the Houston Texans. The Houston Texans, for very much the same reason. There's so much uncertainty with Deshaun Watson. And let's be let's be honest, guys. Even with Deshaun Watson last year, they weren't good. They, they were yep. not good. Even how great he was, it just goes to show you, if you don't have the pieces around you, the offensive line to protect you, the defense to keep you in games – It doesn't matter how good you are because this is a team game, not an individual game. So those two games right there are my guaranteed locks. Chargers are going to beat both of those teams quite handily.
2: I'm glad you mentioned the the Eagles and their quarterback woes, because I don't know if you can tell. I'm obviously a Giants fan. I Jordan's see the blue Giants. in the background. Yes, sir. is wearing a Giants blue, but he is a football team fan, unfortunately. So we're all too aware of Jalen Hurts, and we're quite happy with that, to be, to be fair. But you do mention that there is three primetime games, obviously, for the Chargers this year. But how could you not blame the NFL? Justin Herbert must be the one of the most fantastic younger quarterbacks in the league at the minute. He's definitely the most like excited prospect I'm looking at. What? And coming into the season that that offense is incredible with him at the helm how do you feel like you obviously must feel delighted watching this guy play football
4: i mean it's absolutely incredible and and also just for the chargers in general their history of quarterback play is ridiculous i mean you have dan fouts then you have philip rivers before philip rivers you have drew Brees, who is a first ballot hall of famer now with who will probably go in with the saints then you have philip rivers who was the starting quarterback for 16 17 years And then you go from that to Justin Herbert. That's unheard of guys. Like we've seen so many teams out there draft multiple quarterbacks trying to make sure that this guy's the one, right? They're all excited. They're all saying, Oh yeah, that's going to be the one, but how often does it actually turn out to be the guy? And just the fashion in which Justin Herbert was introduced to the, to the NFL, nobody expected him to start. We, uh had locked on chargers didn't expect him to start we thought that Mm -hmm. this was going to be tyrod taylor's show he was going to be the guy he was anthony lynn's guy so going into the season he was the number one guy i mean everyone expected that and then the unfortunate injury with tyrod taylor with the team doctor puncturing his lung um trying to give him an injection justin herbert found out literally minutes before kickoff hey guy it's it's your turn it's time to go in and a little funny story when he actually went out to, to the huddle, uh, Hunter Henry, the Chargers tied in last year, was like, what are you doing here? <laughs> why are you in, why are you out here? And they're like, well, I'm, I'm playing quarterback, man. It's, it's going to be me. <laughs> Tyrod's out. And they're like, oh, okay, well, let's go. Okay. Uh, but, and then he, he, he goes toe-to-toe with Patrick Mahomes and, and nearly beats them. I mean, if it wasn't for Anthony Lynn's boneheaded decision to give the ball back to Patrick Mahomes in overtime, which – what in the hell are you thinking? I mean, (laughs) you're really going to do that? I mean, if they don't do that, there's a good likelihood the Chargers win that football game, and then it could be a completely different season. But then he goes on to, I don't know, have one of the most historic rookie quarterback seasons in NFL history. He broke nearly every single record held by a rookie quarterback last year. You can't help but be excited. But I think what makes you even more excited is what the Chargers did in the offseason to make it an even better year this year. I would think yeah. one thing that stands out for me as well about him is he's
0: playing extremely well and delivering passes extremely well and fundamentally very strong. I think a lot of these quarterbacks that come out of college recently were much more interested in the flash that's with them than with the fundamentals like you saw with Jalen Hurts where he's he's so been told over and over how flashy he is with his legs that his right. first thought is not to throw the ball, it's to run the ball. Yeah. And what I love about Herbert is okay, he can run the ball. He's a fantastic athlete, but he's composed in the pocket and he's picking the passes like a 10-year like a vet. And that I think bodes extremely well
4: From Well, and I think what makes it so confusing is that the offense that he was in in Oregon was so different than the offense that we saw him run with the Chargers. A lot of quick throws, a lot of getting the ball out of his hands quickly. And they didn't really accentuate one of his best strengths, which is his arm strength. This guy can throw 65 yards flat footed. I mean, that is ridiculous. I mean, the arm strength was not utilized enough in college. You didn't see that aspect of his game. So when he got to the pros, Anthony Lind notices this big, crazy arm. And yes, Justin Herbert looks to part. He's six foot six, 240 pounds, can run, can extend the play. That's where the quarterback play is going, at, going in the NFL. You, you love the big, strong arm, but you want mobility. You want to make sure that your quarterback can hurt you in multiple – hurt the defense in multiple different ways. You, you can't just expect him to set, sit in the pocket, which he can do, but you have to expect him to run or you have to, you have to prepare for him to run as well. I think that's what made him so dynamic last year is the big arm mixed with his mobility and in an offense that better suits or accentuates his strengths.
1: Yeah, definitely. And, and like you were saying, the offseason was definitely used to protect him as much as he can, to give him that time to to throw that ball with the likes of Corey Lindsley being brought in a free agency and Matt Fowler. And then, of course, got looking at the draft, uh, Rashawn Slater falling to you at
4: 13. Unbelievable. I, I cannot. I, I, I still, to this day right now, as we're recording this, do not understand why or how Rashawn Slater fell to the Chargers at 13. It does not make any sense to me. First of all, I mean, we knew there was going to be a big run on quarterbacks, right? We didn't know who, you know, those quarterbacks were going to go to, but we knew that there was going to be several of them going. I think what we didn't really anticipate was the amount of wide receivers that went so early. I mean, I knew there was obviously some great guys – that were there, but I don't think we expected them to go before the chargers at 13. But I think the biggest domino for this situation that allowed Rashawn Slater to get to the chargers at 13 was the lions taking Penesua at seven and then Carolina passing on Rashawn Slater. I think as soon as Carolina passed on him, I think it started to become more and more of a possibility. But even then this guy was the consensus second top left tackle and it could have been the best left tackle depending on who you talked to last year, his technical ability, his, his pass protection, the way he uh, executed in the run game. This guy is a complete tackle. He's a guy that steps in and and he can play that position at an NFL level right away. So when those dominoes started to fall, and then now with the chargers, we have a saying, you know, the chargers are going to charger. So even when Rashawn Slater was available there at 13 for the chargers, you just said to yourself, these idiots better not make the wrong decision. They better not go <laughs> with somebody else, but they didn't to their credit. This was the perfect marriage of availability and position of need. They take the absolute best guy to help them in this situation. And it gets even better because in the second round, their second top need a corner as Casey Hayward left in free agency, the Chargers kind of parted ways with them. They needed another uh, top corner to start opposite of Michael Davis And Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State falls directly in their lap. So they address their top two needs right away with their first two picks. And at that point, it's almost like I don't care what happens with the rest of the draft because their two biggest needs were filled and filled emphatically. Yeah. Sorry, Sorry, go go ahead ahead there.
1: No, I was just going to mention just uh, one other Uh, pickup in the draft that I liked was actually the pickup of the uh, tight end Trey uh, McKitty in the third round. It sort of helps ease the loss uh, of Hunter Henry Um, and going in there behind Jared Cook as well, who obviously is a veteran who probably won't be playing as many snaps as Hunter Henry could have been able to. So, you know, it's definitely they are definitely building to give
4: um, uh, Herbert as much uh, as many opportunities to succeed as possible. Well, with Trey McKitty, I I think it was just uh, we didn't expect him to go in the third round. I mean, when we did our draft prep before, you know, leading up to the draft, this is a guy we were seeing in the sixth and seventh rounds in many different mocks. And I think this was really a a kind of a panic decision a little bit because they wanted a blocking tight end. I mean, they already have three guys on the roster that can catch footballs. I mean, Jared Cook, obviously the veteran. Then they have Donald Parham, who is a giant. He's six foot eight. He just has a ridiculous wingspan. He's a big target as well. Steven Anderson's another uh, tight end, but all these guys are pass catching tight ends. They're not really known for their ability to pass protect or run block. And you need that. You need that aspect. If you want to have a well-rounded tight end group, you want guys that can catch the ball and that can block. So when Tommy Trumbull got taken, I think that was the, okay, well, who's the next best blocking tight end out there? Well, that's Trey McKinney. So, the, the Chargers take Trey McKitty as their blocking tight end. I think a lot of Charger fans were a little bit surprised to see him go that early. But as you look back on it and you understand this is going to be more of an inline guy, he's going to be a run blocking tight end, he does have some pass catching ability, but his primary function in this offense is going to be that run, run blocker and that pass protector, that extra offensive lineman, if you will. David, I was, I was originally going to point out,
0: um, you guys have talent like across the board. Obviously, we've talked about Herbert Eckler is an excellent running back. Phenomenal. Uh, Keenan Allen is a stud at wide receiver. We have obviously bolstered the offensive line, Linval Joseph on the defensive line, Joey Bosa. Uh, I love Derwin James as well. I think he's a great player when he can stay healthy. How do you feel about the rest of the wide receiver core, though? To me, that seems like the biggest lack of depth on that on that roster I don't know if you agree with me looking at you there but I don't know I just feel like it could be maybe that second guy could be a little bit stronger than Mike Williams
4: well I think the Chargers were thinking a little bit along the the same lines as you when they picked up Josh Palmer in the third Mm -hmm. round as well they added another wide receiver but for me I look at Josh Palmer as the contingency for Mike Williams Mike Williams is in a contract year this year and it's really one way or another he's on a fifth year option so he's getting paid at the top five of his position. He's I think he's making 15 plus million dollars this year. So if he goes and balls out, then he's going to be expecting a big contract. If not, then well, you already have your contingency built right in with Josh Palmer, but two guys, I think a lot of people don't really understand or know about is Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. These two guys combined for five plus touchdowns of 50 plus yards or more. These are your burner type wide receivers. These both, both these guys run four, three, OK, they provide that different element to the offense. You got Keenan Allen, who's that possession receiver, who's completely pretty much unguardable. I mean, I don't think there's anyone in the NFL that can guard this guy one on one on a consistent basis. I mean, he's just that lethal with his is, you know, his get off and his ability to catch the ball and one of the best wide receivers on third down as well. Um, and Mike Williams is your big jump ball play guy. Right. I think Josh Palmer fits in that mix a little bit, although he's a much better route runner, I think, than Mike Williams is. But. I think that room is actually pretty well-rounded. I mean, you have the the pass-catching guy, you have the big play guy, and then you got the two burners with the speed. So I think looking at that room, I think it's actually more complete than most people look at. For me, Mm -hmm. I think the biggest opportunity on this is actually on the defensive side, and it's with the safeties. The Chargers safety group right now, with Derwin James and Nazira Adderley, these two guys, I mean, they're great. But Derwin, he's had injury issues the last couple years. I mean, when he's on the football field – He's one of the top safeties in the NFL, and I don't think that's refutable at all. I mean, he's just an absolute – he's a weapon. He can cover. He can tackle. He can take the ball away. He, he's just – he's an animal. But you have to plan for that contingency. They, they, they got a guy late in, in the draft who's going to be a, a kind of a, a hybrid safety type. Uh, I mean, you, just, you can't really depend on the seventh-round pick to come in and, and really provide quality depth. So Nazir Adelie had an up and down year last year at the free safety position. They lost Rayshawn Jenkins in free free agency. So that group right now, to me, I think if you're looking at this whole team and you're looking at a deficiency, I think that is the position group that they need to add to. And And if they do that, if they add a veteran body to that, I think you're looking at one of the more complete teams in the NFL right now.
0: We can edit that question and post to make it sound like I said the the defensive position and make me look a bit more, a bit
4: better. <laughs>
1: No way, it's all staying in. That's it. it's, all it's, on staying in. it's on the record. It's on the record. But let's have a look at the coach, Brandon Staley, because it is going to be his first job as a head coach. Now, of course, he has spent time with, with the Bears and the Broncos and obviously most notably last year being the defensive coordinator for the Rams. So he's not, ma- he's not making a move too far to uh, become
4: the Chargers head coach. Uh, what have you thought of him so far? He's extremely well-spoken. I mean, I think this is a guy you get really excited about listening to. I mean, with the, the past few coaches the Chargers have had, whether it be Mike McCoy, Malibu Mike, or Milk Toast M- M- McCoy is what I like to call him. I mean, that guy is absolutely terrible in press conferences. And then you have An- Anthony Lynn who – he had his favorites. I mean, he played his favorites and and never really got the sense that he was really putting the best guys on the football field. I think he was more of a guy that was more uh, worried about his relationships with players. He's very much a player's coach, but he also had some time management issues that, and and just some, some really weird bad decisions that we didn't really understand. And with Brandon Staley, I mean, he's so genuine he, he's so very well-spoken. I mean, he articulates extremely well. He, sh- he tells you what his vision is, and and that's so nice to hear. You just don't see NFL coaches out there that are that is, are, are as open and honest as Brandon Staley is, and he su- surrounds himself with a good team. He goes out and gets guys from you know, some of the best offenses in the NFL, like, like Joe Lombardi with the Saints. <clears throat> he gets uh, – <clears throat> I'm sorry, I'm blanking on the name right now. Uh, He gets Ronaldo Hill, the defensive coordinator from the Broncos, who has had a very, very good uh, defensive system there with Vic Fangio, who is one of the best defensive uh, minds in the NFL right now. I think Brandon Staley with his number one defense, I think you expect to, to, to see that, you know, the way he orchestrates his defense, move over to the Chargers. And I think you just can't help but really be really excited. But again, this is all talk, right? I mean, we got to see results on the football field, and then that will really determine how we view Brandon Staley. But as of right now, everything he said has checked a box. So it, it sounded good. Now we got to go see if it looks good. Okay.
1: Well, before we let you go, we, we were talking, obviously setting up this interview beforehand, and, and I promised you to see if I could get maybe a curveball question in Let's here. So it. I'm going to try my best now with this one. So, we we've had we've had the announcement over the off season that Drew Brees has finally retired yeah. after twenty plus uh, years in the league. Fantastic career. Of course, he spent a couple of years uh, at the Chargers um, before uh, being released, and then going obviously going ahead with Philip Rivers instead. If you could take it back, would you keep? Would you have kept Drew Brees, even though there was questions around his shoulder at the time? Would you keep Drew Brees, and then would you have not gone after Philip Rivers?
4: No, I I wouldn't, and it's because of the shoulder injury for Drew Drew Brees. I mean, I think at that moment in time, there's so much uncertainty, and especially when you're talking about one of the vital parts of your body when you're talking about a quarterback – you just don't know if everything's going to heal the way it was supposed to. And you had already drafted Phillip Rivers. You had him on the roster for a couple of years. And this guy, by all accounts, had everything you wanted as a quarterback at that point in time in the NFL. He was a true pocket passer. Drew Brees, obviously, looking back, hindsight being 2020, being one of the best quarterbacks in NFL history, most passing yards. I mean, his accolades obviously are a mile long. I respect what he has done. I've watched him from afar. He's been. A phenomenal player, had a great career. But Phillip Rivers is one of the true competitors and characters in the NFL, I think, in NFL history. I think his sound bites are appointment television. I mean, I don't think anybody provides a uh, better. I think he's really built to be a color commentator. I mean, I think you, you'll see him on Sundays in the future. He already had a job to be a high school head coach, you know, head football coach. That's what he wanted to do with his life. He's had that already kind of set up for years. But I think you'll see him in a booth calling games before long. But to answer your question, I would have kept Philip just because I've enjoyed watching him throughout his career. And not a single curse word ever came out of his lips as not well. I a find single that amazing. one. Not you a
1: know that he's one. going to be good in the boot. You don't have to worry about. You don't have to worry about any f bombs
0: flying. Those expensive sensors, as you know, Dara spends about two hundred dollars <laughs> a week sensoring my head. That's case. right.
4: Yeah, that's right. You're going to hear some horse mess. I mean, that's that, that, that's, that's what Phil Berbers loves to say excellent well david really
1: appreciate the time uh, today uh talking to us about all things charges. before we let you go where can people find your podcasts and your socials
4: yeah, so uh, I do two different podcasts. Uh, one of them is just our personal one that we do during the season. It's called Chargers Domination Live, and you can find us on Facebook at that name, Chargers Domination Live. If you want a little bit more regular, then that's the paid gig. That's uh, Locked On Chargers. I work for the Locked On Podcast Network. We put out five shows a week, 52 weeks a year, guys. We're always pumping out shows, 30-minute shows every single day. So find us on Twitter at LAC. Find us on Facebook at Lockdown Chargers. We're pretty much everywhere. And of course, everywhere you get your podcasts, we're going to be there, but Hey, appreciate you taking the time to, to talk some football with me. I appreciate the invite and hopefully we can do this again sometime. No
1: problem. Definitely. We would love to have you on. If not, Again, before the season, at some point during the year, it may be even the week before the season. Because with Fiona, our Washington fan, and you obviously are Chargers fan, we've got a great preview right there. <laughs> Let's that do it. Just man. let you two go at it, and me and Jake will just sit back with it. Well, with well a I hope, I hope
0: Washington it. do their research on the Chargers team better than I did because I had the wide receivers at <laughs> the weak point. That's clearly not the weak point. So,
4: no, it'll be fun for sure. I mean, that's a tough matchup. That's a, that's an 100%. under the radar team. I think a lot of people do <laughs> don't understand that is a great defense and an up-and-coming offense and now that they have a quarterback that can actually play somewhat decent <laughs> then you'll you'll see some better results this year we've David, been we hearing that a lot lately
2: his ego is getting too big he might not be able to leave the bedroom now remember
4: he, he he's the current day gunslinger though so i can't get your ho- yeah. get your hopes or your head too high because yeah. remember brett Favre threw a lot of touchdowns but what else did he do he threw a whole hell of a lot of interceptions too Brian Fitzpatrick this year has gone 31 for 31. Have <laughs> <laughs> a Jameis Winston year? Yeah, he's, he's going to oh break man. the record.
1: <laughs> that. Well, you might actually, but to be fair, if you keep James Winston in and he's getting close to that 31, that, that's shame on you. That's your own fault, okay? Exactly. That's your own fault. But that is it for this show, guys. Uh, if you haven't already, please like this video and subscribe to the Undercenter podcast on YouTube. Do the exact same thing. If you prefer the audio version of the show, just go to wherever you get your podcast. Search Under Center podcast. We'll be right there. So subscribe to that as well. Also, facebook.com forward slash UndercenterPod. Twitter and Instagram are both the same, at UndercenterPod. So that is it for another show. Uh, We'll be back again uh, probably next week, continuing our off-season series, looking at some more teams and looking ahead to the upcoming season as well. But until then, stay safe, and we'll speak soon.